So we're in our series, Engage, and of course the, the, the tag is showing the heart of Jesus. And so the question becomes, how do we do that? How do we, in the 21st century, best show the heart of Jesus to the people around us. So that's what this series is about. That's where we're going. And we want to look, first of all, at the life of Jesus. So each week we're taking just a a small segment of some things that Jesus did. And let's ask ourselves, what, what could we learn from how Jesus interacted with people? You'll see at the bottom of the screen there, we're taking some text questions at the end because what we want to do is set people up for the summer, right? We're more outside. We're connecting with more people in parks and our neighborhoods and family and friends. And so if you have a question, text it anytime during the service. So it'd be a good time. Take out your cell phone. And uh, just so you know, I don't know who's texting in. Uh, I won't even be using my phone. It'll be coming in and uh, it'll be anonymous. So if you have a question about anything I say in the message or something about how we could best engage send that text in and Pastor Brad and I will be engaging with some of those questions at the end of the message. So this morning as we dive in and look at this uh, life of Jesus, we're going to be in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, if you have a Bible or a device, you know me, I'd love for people to see it Uh, with their own eyes. Like when we read the Word, like let it, the words themselves jump out at you. If you're able to stand, could I invite you to stand? I'm going to read Mark chapter 5, verses 24 to 34. It says in verse 24, And he, Jesus, went with him, Jairus, and a great crowd followed Jesus and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Father, as we look at the life of Jesus and we look at these encounters, there there were crowds, great crowds of people but he had time. He had time for individuals. He would stop. He put a pause on his schedule and he dialed in. God, help us to see how his heart is revealed in this passage. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we look at this passage, right, we're trying to figure out how, how do we engage with Jesus? How is it that we can begin to understand 
how Jesus moved and walked with people. And so this morning, I want to begin with, with this point, and that is that encountering Jesus by faith changes everything, right? It's, it's encountering Jesus, but it's not just encountering Jesus. It's encountering Jesus, as it says here, by faith. That people would believe, that their, their hearts would at least be opening to what Jesus had to say and what Jesus is doing. And of course, we are the hands and feet and mouthpiece of Jesus Christ. And so as we look at this this morning, what I want to do is dive in a little deeper into the passage so that we all get the same feel for what's happening in this passage. And in order to do that, let's just look at the beginning here. And it says, a great crowd, right? So immediately we begin to see like there, there's hundreds of people that are, are following Jesus. And then it says that this great crowd thronged about. So you get this picture, right? There, there's hundreds of people. They're, they're following Jesus and they're pressing in on him. They're driving together. Now you ask yourself, why are they doing that? I mean, you could follow Jesus from a distance. You, you could stand way back. Why are they pressing in? Why are they, they trying to drive themselves together to get close to Jesus? I think an obvious answer is they want in on the conversation. They, they, they want to be close to the one. And, and we see some of this if you've ever watched a golf tournament on TV or maybe you've been to a golf tournament, right? The, the superstars, who follows them? The crowds, they get as close as they can and they follow them from hole to hole. Or, or what do we do in sporting events? We, we put these uh, listening devices so that we can hear what's going out on the football field or what's going on in the baseball field because we want to hear what the superstars are saying. We're not usually always listening to what's going on on the bench, but we want to know what are they doing? And so I think they're pressing in. They want to be close to Jesus. They want to hear what he's got to say. What is he talking about? So, the, so they're listening. They're, they're following, and then there's there. Well, then we get to the next big thing. Out of this crowd, we find that there is a woman. A woman. And we're told a little bit about her, aren't we? We're told that she's sick, that there's some discharge of blood, and she's had it for 12 years years and she's she's suffered a lot right we're told that we're told that in the midst of all this she suffered much under many physicians so over the years she's just going doctor to doctor to doctor sounds like us today <laughs> right oh what doctor do you go to oh he's the best in the field we always got to go to the best and you notice everyone always ends up at the best doctor right i mean we, just the way we, we tend to talk about it but sometimes i read this passage and i just reflect on what happens in our culture today it's something like this there's always a doctor out there that has the latest greatest best answer to the problem Oh, here's the solution to the problem. And this doctor may not have many uh, medical degree information behind him, may not be this great scholar, but, but he's got the solution, or, or she has the answer, right? And you can just imagine what is going on in this woman's heart as, as she 
is going from doctor to doctor and the doctor's saying, hey, my answer will cure you. And then some of the treatments might have been painful, might have been difficult, might have been hard to follow through on and, and she's following them. And you know what drives some of this, right? Money, ego, I got the answer and that doctor doesn't. And all of a sudden, she's suffering at the hands of the egos and the push for money of these doctors. I don't know, it doesn't say all that, but it does say that she went from doctor to doctor to doctor. You don't jump doctors if you're getting better. But look what happens to her. It's not only that she went doctor to doctor, but she had spent all that she had. Now there's a statement about the human heart, isn't there? We will exhaust our wealth to stay healthy. Today, we, we want that fountain of youth, right? Getting old is not for this culture. So we spend billions and billions of dollars to try to stay young. Well, guess what's going to happen all? <laughs> We're all going in the same direction. Oh, we may delay a few things and we can stay healthy, but you keep going to that gym, eventually it's going to happen. Muscle breaks down, things deteriorate, things shift, <laughs> things change, right? It's just the way of life. But we think differently, but she had spent, it says, all that she had. All that she had. But then look what we're told. She was no better and in fact grew worse. I don't know about you, but I'm sure you're much like me. You read this passage, and if you have any ounce of empathy, you begin to feel for this woman. You begin to feel the weight of what her life's been like. That she's chasing the latest, greatest techniques. The cutting-edge knowledge going to this doctor, to this doctor, trying to make it all work, spending all of her money to get well because we want to take care of ourselves. And you read this and you conclude with me, human help was useless. Human help. We will exhaust our human resources because there's some things that cannot be fixed in this world. There's some things we can pour all of our energy, all of our might, all of our resources, and it will not fix it. Sometimes human help is useless. But when I first started reading this and thinking about this passage, I wrote a word across the bottom. You know what word I wrote? Hopelessness. You ever get there? You ever get there where you just feel the hopelessness of this world? The despondency? Where you just feel like, where am I going? What's life about? I can't fix the garbage in my life. And it doesn't have to be physical. It can be anything. And, and you're like, why is it just falling apart? Things fall apart. And you sense the 
despair in our heart. And you know, when you get desperate, you do desperate things, don't you? <laughs> we all do. She's not alone. But I think that something else happened here. And I don't want you to miss this. She heard the reports about Jesus. What did she hear? What did she hear? Well, if you're reading the Gospel of Mark, you, you, you go all the way back to chapter 1. And Jesus breaks onto the scene. And all of a sudden, we see that he's healing people. He's speaking with authority. He's teaching truth. He's not out there trying to make money. He's out there serving people, ministering to people, caring for people, loving people, and not asking for anything in return. I mean, that's crazy. In this world, everybody's got an angle. And can I say even Christians? Oh, hey, if you buy my Bible study, it'll change your life. You listen to my podcast, by the way, if you make a little donation, you can get more of my podcast, right? You know, uh, the Apostle Paul called that, he called that peddling the Word of God. Let's just keep selling everything we can to keep making what we can. Not Jesus. Jesus breaks on it. Um, but let me just clarify. I'm not against making profit. I'm not against a servant being paid the wages. What I am against and what I think I'm trying to bring out is there comes a time when we got to quit exploiting. we got to quit. Let's just call out the church and be the church and love people and minister to people. And maybe it comes at sacrifice. But I'll tell you this, you sacrifice today money and you'll be rewarded in heaven like you cannot imagine. It's not my promise, it's Jesus' promise. No one has served in his kingdom. There's no subject of Jesus that he says it won't be paid back many times over. I better get off my soapbox. So the report that she's hearing is, is Jesus is now up in Galilee, back in chapter 1 of Mark. He's in Galilee. He's in Capernaum. You know what it says in verse 33? It says the whole village of Capernaum came out to hear Jesus. Finally, the nonsense was over. The truth was being spoken. And the power of God was being displayed and people were being healed. Powerful story. Those are the reports she heard. So after she exhausted all of her energy, all of her money, went through all the hoops that all the crazy people were saying to do, she says, hey, in my despair, in my hopelessness, in my despondency, heard about this rabbi I'm going to give him a chance <laughs> and she goes and, and follows him of course she's part of the crowds that, that's there and she starts thinking boy if, if I could just just grab hold of his robe I'll be healed so all of a sudden for someone to say that she's got a spark of hope and hope hope changes 
lives. You and I need hope. We need hope that what is happening in my life and in this world matters. We need hope that God is at work, that God is changing us and at work bringing us to a destination. He's got purpose for everything that's happening. Nothing is random. It's not just happening to you. God is doing amazing things in the midst of the craziness of our world, in the midst of our sin and our failures and our shortcomings. God is sometime, somehow moving this in a miraculous way, and that put hope in her heart. And so we see her, see her reaching out to grab the robe of Jesus. Oh, this story is so powerful. So, so powerful as we think about it. Let me just remind you that we are doing some texting. If I've said something that you're interested in or curious about and want more explanation on, please, please send a text in. But here, here's my second point. Jesus' love and power changes lives. Jesus' love and power changes lives. Now, I want both of those in there. We see both in the passage. And sometimes Jesus just shows his love in a powerful way and he doesn't do the healing. There's people here in this body that have come up front for prayer. People that have come to before the throne and we spend more time praying and, and, and we've seen an incredible number of healings. I, I'm amazed at the number of healings I have personally seen in this body over the years. But I'm also equally amazed when God chooses not to heal. I don't know why He sometimes heals some and not others, but I know this. He wants everyone to know that they are profoundly loved by Him and one day they will be fully and finally healed, even if it's not on this side of glory. So it's love and power and sometimes it comes together. And you know, when we think about this love and power, I encourage you to read your Old Testament and your New Testament as one book. Don't rip these things apart because the Old Testament is constantly pointing to the person of Jesus Christ. Constantly revealing and exposing the heart of God. A good place to maybe think about this is Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 40-48, to 48, Israel is in a terrible, terrible spot. They're now exiles. And God is saying, so you know, so you know that I'm in charge, that you didn't just end up ripped out of your country and in exile. I want you to know I'm going to place my servant on the throne. My servant Cyrus, a Persian king. Now, Isaiah wouldn't even make sense. It wouldn't even make sense for God to say that if he said that after Cyrus was on the throne. After Cyrus brought the people back to Israel. But what makes Isaiah so powerful is in Isaiah chapter 40, God says, there's no one like me. You can go to all the other gods, small g. You can go to all the doctors. You can go to wherever you want to go, but there is no one out in that world that's like me. And I'm going to show you my power. I'm going to raise up my servant. That wouldn't make sense. 
if Cyrus was known by name, but he names the Persian king that's going to send him. It's all prophetic, but what he wants you to do is know his character, and he wants you to know that he's in charge and that he's at work. And so Isaiah chapter 40 then begins with comfort, comfort. This God of ours, Yahweh, is saying, I want to comfort you. I want to speak, it says in the beginning of chapter 40, tenderly to you. You get to chapter 42, and look at what he says. Behold, now he's not talking about Cyrus. He's talking about one that's going to come 750 years later. Isaiah's writing, God is going to send my servant Jesus, whom I delight, whom I've chosen. And he goes on and on. He says, I'm going to put my spirit of power upon him. And he will bring forth justice. All the sickness, it's going to be made right. All the injustice of the political oppression, I'm going to fix all that. And just on and on the list goes. But look what he says. A bruised reed. He will not break. A dimly burning wick. He will not extinguish. Do you think that that woman could be described as a bruised reed? On the verge of breaking? Do you think she could be described as a dimly burning wick where her life was within just a small breath of being blown out? What God wanted us to know is what he wanted his people to know all through history is that this is the kind of God he is. He is a God that deals with the fragileness of people. He is a God that is at work. So as we look at this, let's dig a little deeper into the passage and see what's going on with Jesus. She grabs his robe and look what happens. Immediately, the flow of blood dried up. Immediately. Now you know this is power. This isn't like the doctors that she'd been going to for 12 years. How much did it cost her to grab that robe, right? No shekels laid out for this situation. She now is turning in the direction she needs to go to Jesus. Look what it says here. She felt... Actually, let me just tell you, that's a very unfortunate translation. Because the Greek word behind that is she knew. She knew. How did she know? The translators took the liberty to tell you how she knew. She felt it. Now, why am I drawing this out? Because I want to tell you my own story. A few years ago, I had incredible lower back pain. I'll tell you where I got the back pain. I was 17 years old. I was drunk. And I fell over a fence. And when I flipped over that fence, I can still feel today, many years later, we can do the math later, <laughs> the jarring of my lower back and the pain. Of course, when I was younger, that pain would flare up at different times, but because I did have a little more muscle, take that by faith, my 
body and skeletal structure stayed better in place, but the pain would flare up. But as I got older, I had more and more lower back pain until a few years ago. I asked some people to pray over me and to pray for this healing. I didn't feel, using the word here, I didn't feel anything right away. But in my heart of hearts, I knew immediately I was touched by God and that my back was healed. Now, I just want to say, I don't know why God did that. Because I pray for a lot of healings, and he doesn't always heal people. I don't understand that. Got lots of questions when I get to glory. But I am not going to stop believing and praying and asking God for miracles. I, for one, am going to err on the side of believing rather than err on the side of not asking. So God does this. And some of you know the story. Is the next day, Monday, I usually take Mondays off. On Monday, the next day, I hauled hundreds of pounds of cement out of my house from a broken shower bed we were removing. Not one ounce of pain. Not one. All the stairs hauling down all that concrete and no pain. So when I read this and it says she felt, but I'm reading it in Greek and it says she knew, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> the translators are taking a liberty here and telling you how she knew. She knew it because she felt it. I'd prefer them to leave that alone and let me read the text. But anyways, not to get off in the weeds too much, she felt it and was healed of her disease. Jesus perceiving, again, the word knowing is in here, uh, same word, just with a uh, prefix on the beginning, knowing in himself that power had gone out from him. Look what he does. Immediately turns to look around. Who touched my garments? Amazing, amazing. Well, let's go a little further here. He looked around to see who had done it. But the woman knowing when it happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down. Amazing work of God right there. There is something I wanted you to see, and I missed this, and maybe it's here. So, immediately it turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Now, in English, we don't have a gender show all the time. Literally, in the Greek phrase, the reason why I drew out that Jesus perceiving, Jesus knew, Jesus knew that it was a woman that touched him. How do I know that? Because in the Greek phrase, it says literally, what woman had touched me? What woman? See, Jesus is dialed in. Jesus is dialed in. He's dialed into your life. He knows what's going on. He knew that out of all the crowds, this woman, this woman, had touched him, and so he turns around. So let me now go forward here real quickly. Look what's going on. He looked around. She had done it, and the woman came, and then we get to see this amazing thing. She falls down before him and tells him the whole truth. What truth? 
What truth? Oh, Jesus, by the way, you healed me when I touched your gown? I don't think that fits the passage or the context. We've just been told her story. We've been told her story that's gone on for 12 years. How she went from doctor to doctor. How she spent all her money and she's getting worse. I think that's the whole truth. And that didn't happen in 10 seconds. Now, are you getting the picture? The crowds are pressing in. They're they're, they're there. Jesus stops for one woman with one need and dials in and dials into her and listens to her entire story. That's Jesus. That's his love coming through. So we see his power in the healing, but we see his love coming through when he took time and looked at this woman who was almost without all hope, despair and despondent, despairing and despondent, and Jesus dials in and listens to her. That's our Lord. So we should follow in his steps, shouldn't we? We should be following him in his steps and engage. Now last week, last week, we looked at what Jesus did, that he took the initiative. We called it 3D living. And last week we talked about how Jesus did different things, right? The first thing he did was develop relationships. He took the initiative with the man that was paralyzed He took the initiative and sought him out. And so we call it developing friendships. And what I'm not saying is develop best friends with everybody you meet. What I'm saying is just love people. Love people. Even love the people right here. The people around us. We need to develop friendships. We need to develop relationships. There is a lot going on. If we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus and the mouthpiece and the ears, we need to develop friendships with people. I'm not even asking you to share the gospel or do anything. (laughs) I'm just saying smile. Be friendly. Be kind. And of course, we talked about that, but today I want to dial in on the second one, discover people's stories, right? So last week we talked about this developing friendships. We said you got to believe a couple basic things, but today we want to talk about this idea of discovering people's story, discovering people's story. Here's the first thing, ask questions, ask questions. Discover people's story. How? By asking questions. You know, people have counted up how many questions Jesus asked in the New Testament. Take a guess at how many questions Jesus asked. 50? 100? 200? Over 300 questions are in the Scriptures of questions that Jesus asked. He asked questions about life, about faith, about identity, about motive. He asked all kinds of questions. We could be asking people questions to discover their story. Just ask some questions. Jesus said, who who do you say I am? Have you ever asked somebody? What do you think about Jesus? Who do you think he is? 
We could do the same thing that Jesus did. He asked those kind of questions. I wrote down this one. Jesus um, asked someone, do you want to get well? It doesn't have to be just physical. People are going through stuff. Do you think God could make a difference for what is going on in your life right now? Right? Jesus asks this about life. Can you add a single hour to your life by worrying? Boy, we could use that question today. Do you think all the stress and anxiety you're under is going to do anything by all that worrying that you're going through? Right? It opens up the door for conversation. That's why we want to ask questions, is we want to discover people's story. People want to talk about what's going on in their life. I like to talk about what's going on in my life, and I know you do too. All you have to do is ask. But here's a second, listen. This is what we get from Jesus today. He, he just listened to that woman tell her whole story. You can imagine all the people, come on, Jesus, we got to get going. We're on a mission as disciples, right? Jesus says, no, this woman matters. Let me listen. I almost sense that as she fell down and kneeled, Jesus got down. And I can imagine he just cupped her face in his hands and looked her eyeball to eyeball. He said, tell me. Tell me your pain. Tell me what you've gone through. I want to hear it. I care. A dimly bruised reed I will not break. That's Jesus. Two simple things we could do. Ask questions and just listen to people. Listen to what's going on. We can do that. And the power of the Spirit is with us. Now, I just want to close with this. Just this thought. I'm trying to link that we are the hands and feet, mouthpiece and ears of Jesus, right? Not, not complicated. Now, all these people were following Jesus. You know the end of the story, right? The crowds, what'd they do? They left, right? When, when Jesus started getting revealed that he's going to the cross and that this is a story he's not going the way they may want, they abandon him. Here's a question. Do you think that woman abandoned Jesus? When you're touched by the love and power of Jesus, it is magnetic. When you and I love people and trust Him for His power, it's magnetic. People won't be leaving the church. They'll be flocking to the church. Well, hey, we got some time for texting. Uh, Pastor Brad, if you could come on up, if you can welcome Pastor Brad up, and uh, maybe a few questions have come in. Thanks for doing this today, and yeah. uh, makes it a little easier for you to kind of rifle through the questions yeah. and thoughts. And yeah, totally. This is this is fun. Thanks for so many texting questions com- coming in. And actually, there's a decent amount about the passage, and then there's some about how can we do 3D living, live this out. So let's talk about the passage ones real quick. Okay. Uh, I found it really interesting that. Someone texted in a question, and then someone else unknowingly texted in a comment or answer to that person's question. So I'm just going to read these. Yeah, let's Um, hear their wisdom. So someone's question was, did Jesus really not know who had touched him? Hmm. Someone else in the body said, comment. When Jesus says, who, what woman touched my garment, he knew who it was, but he allowed her to be the one to proclaim her faith. 
He did not force her. He did not out her. He allows and calls us to to proclaim his love and power. It's a pretty good answer, right? Amen. Amen. Let me just say the power of the word of God, it's living and it's active and it engages with you. Yeah. And so healthy imagination, curiosity as you read the word and engage with it will enliven your own Bible reading. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot is happening in that passage. That's good. Certainly, I just scratched the surface. Yeah, but we have a smart body, right? That's, Amen. Know, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> I okay. always thought that. So here's, here's another one uh, that came in, and I actually want to touch on this, Tom. It says, uh, he called her daughter. Is there significance in him calling her daughter? Because it appears this is the only time he does this in Scripture. And I just wanted to make a comment. You might have yeah. something a lot more profound to say than me, but here's one thing I thought of. This woman having blood, right? She would have been really an outcast, considered unclean, correct? And yeah, Mark doesn't draw the attention to that. He but doesn't. Absolutely. Okay, so but 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 she would have been considered unclean, and I don't know what dynamic that would have played, but it probably isolated her. So this Jesus reaching out and calling her daughter, just for me, what I take away is the tenderness of and the intimacy of Jesus going to this woman who probably everyone stays away from because she's unclean and calling her daughter. I don't know, that just was a sweet yeah, thing and tenderness, yeah. but I don't know if you have anything to add to it. <coughs> um, two things. One is just for clarification, when Brad uses the word unclean, he's talking about the Mosaic law. The Mosaic yeah. law uh, had some uh, laws about clean, unclean, when a woman mostly in her menstrual cycle uh, were used, and that gets into another conversation, but that was the context of what Pastor yeah. Brad was doing. Uh, but secondly, yes, because remember Jesus uh, called his mother woman, and he could have easily referred to her as woman, uh, but here daughter, and I think you're exactly right. Uh, and whoever in our body caught that, that's, that's really beautiful. Maybe they were online and caught it and texted in, that's awesome too. But there's a tenderness and there's a shifting of uh, mm. identification of who this person is. Uh, let me just say, uh, by way of listening to people, if you, use, if you know the person's name, use the person's name. Hmm. Just a very practical thing when we're engaging people. Mm-hmm. I'm not picking on Jesus. He's got his own. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Jesus. <laughs> <clears throat> but we should, uh, you, I, I think we all like that, right? Mm-hmm. When, when we are talking to someone and we, use their name. That, mm-hmm. that really shows we're listening. Yeah. Okay, here's maybe one more passage question, and then we'll get into some practical things. In verse 30, why did his power leave him? Because the woman touched his clothes. That's what they asked. And I, I do think this is a unique thing, right? I, I mean, there's a lot of healings that Jesus does, and I don't think maybe any of the other ones talk about his power leaving him. Any significance here? You know, there's a lot of questions we're all going to have when it comes to the healing of Jesus. Did he need to touch people, right? You, you read these healing stories, and he takes a little dirt and spits on it and wipes yeah. it on their eyes, and it's like... Have you tried you... that one to someone yet? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> uh, but I have anointed with oil, and I've hmm. done other things, and of course there's no magic in spit and mud and oil. Uh, I'm not sure why Jesus hmm. does these different things, because... 
He could just say the word and they'll be healed. And, and remember, he does that kind of healing too. So we see all these things and uh, it, it's mysterious to mm-hmm. me. And, and it causes me, I hope it does this to you, it, it, it creates a wonder and an excitement and a joy about how Jesus yeah. works. Yeah. You know? All right, let's get to some 3D living ones. Uh, the first oh, let me just say too, oh. um, uh, I think that Jesus does have a sense right, of what's going on. So when it says power left him, I I think it's an expression to try to say there was a powerful move of God doing the miracle and he knew that, Mm. right? He wasn't depleted and now he's got to get charged up again like a car, Mm -hmm. you know, with more power. (laughs) You know, he didn't go drop a little bit. He just sensed that there was this miracle move and the power was used. Okay, so the first question that came in, I actually saw it during the message, and it, it was, can you speak to the shy or introvert? How might this look for that person? So I, being the wise person I am, I turned to my wife and I said, Emily, you're smart, <laughs> you're an introvert, and I know she's thought deeply about this. So she sure. sent me a text to answer this question, way better than I could have answered it myself, because she's so smart. This is what she said. She said, find an extroverted evangelism partner. Pray for them when they share the gospel, fast for them when they share the gospel, and go with them to share the gospel. So this really practical way, if you're introverted, right, and this, okay. this happens with Emily and I, she prays, and I ask her to pray, and she prays when there's a chance I'm going to go share the gospel. Or, or she's fasted before for people um, when they're sharing the gospel. And then lastly, just to actually, hey, go with them. Have a partner when you, when you do it. So anyway, I don't know if you have anything to add. That's but I good. Just I mean, that, that's really good, right? And of course, Pastor Brad doesn't have anything to say because he's so extroverted, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. I thought if an extrovert had answered this question, that's kind of lame. So. But um, what, what I was trying to bring into the message, uh, I, I hope everyone here is a human being. Now, if you're a human being, you have the capacity to love. I really don't want to get into an extroverted, introverted conversation. God makes us in a variety of ways. All he's saying is love your neighbor. And even introverted people can find ways Mm -hmm. to love people. Sometimes it's not with words. Sometimes it's just putting your arm around someone and crying with them, right? We're not talking about psychology here. We're not talking about 20, 20th century tools of, of personality and all that. What we're talking about ultimately is loving people. Even non-Christians mm. love people. Now, if you're a Christian, if you profess Christ, if you name the name of Christ, guess what's going on? The Spirit of love, called the Holy Spirit, is being poured out in your hearts. We need to believe God, trust God, that we could show His love to those around us. And I, I just think, I don't... I know there's some utterly, shutterly shy people. <laughs> but you could ask, how you doing? Mm. And maybe that could come out. Mm-hmm. Trust God for the power to say that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I also want to link this to this is what God wants us to do because this is where we're going to experience more of his love. 
when we care about others. And our problem in our culture today, we're so self-absorbed. Yeah. We're not, yeah, we're true. quenching that's true. the power of God in our lives because we're so focused on ourselves rather than focused on others. Can you imagine, you know, people say people are leaving the church and stuff. People aren't going to leave the church if they find a place of love and care. Mm. If you're here and, and you just got to love on people, mm -hmm. love on people. Get to know one person this week before you leave. Just and, yeah. and I think to just to add something, imagine this, right? It's, it sounds so simple, but you should ask God, God, what is my next step? That, who, who are you calling? No, whoa, me whoa, 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 whoa. That's next week. Okay. <laughs> You're getting ahead of the game here. Sure. All we're talking about are two things. Last week we said <laughs> develop friendships. This week all we said was discover their story. Okay, sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah, you're <clears throat> such an extrovert. It's a good word, though. I just want to throw it out. <laughs> it's there. always a good word, People just But don't faith, often let, ask. let's just take what he said, right? Faith. We got to trust God. Yeah. God wants to use you, He wants to grow your heart. And your heart will grow when you look at other people. All right, we got two questions that came in that are, they're just nailing down into the difficulties that we face in our culture today. So here's one that says, when trying to interact with our next door neighbor, we're constantly met with hostility. Which, by the way, I have a neighbor perfectly in mind who I'm picturing for <laughs> myself. Constantly met with hostility. It's been that way since day one. Three years in, I don't even want to try anymore. What can we do? That, that, that's good, and um, there, there's a phrase our culture uses, let's fight culture with culture. Ooh, I like this, yes. <laughs> Kill them with kindness. Mm. Maybe you're done talking, yes. and it's time to just do. <laughs> Maybe it's dropping a gift by. Maybe, I, look, observe what they're doing, and, and maybe you can jump in. If God's laid them on, their, on your heart, which is a beautiful thing, by the way, if God's done that, then I would continue to ask God for creativity. How can I do them? And, mm -hmm. and a lot of times it's not words. It's, it's just, at this point, it might be just trying to show some kind of mm. kindness, uh, maybe doing something for them, serving them in some capacity, but killing them with kindness, I, I, I think. I yeah. don't know. Any other thoughts? Well, so in our yeah, last house, well, our last house, we live next to the Grinch. And uh, he wasn't green. He looked like a person, but it was well, the Grinch. Well, there's a problem right there. You labeled him. I, I did, yeah, I did. <laughs> and, and anyway, actually, Kyle sitting here in the front row. We had a life group one time, and do you remember he, he just flipped you off, like just trying to drive him by? I mean, this guy was really cruel. We invited him to Easter, and it looked like he was going to throw a club at my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like hostility. And I told Emily, she was laughing when you said kill him with kindness because that, that was my goal. I mean, like almost silly, like... You know, just waving and smiling, and it went from no response, ignoring, turning around, to slowly but surely, kind of, you know, to, to eventually he sought me out and wanted to wave to me. I'm not kidding. So there is some level, and, and again, this, this never really opened up an opportunity to, to share the gospel. At least I didn't step into that. But it, it was able to start to form a relationship when there was a, a strong hostility at the beginning. So right. I think and, that's a good word. And, and I like what, what you're saying. You know, you know, we get to plant seeds and we get to water. And maybe someone else sure. should do something down the road. Sure. Okay. Uh, I think, too, what you said is just really common. Stuff's going on in people's lives. Mm -hmm. So true. We don't know what pain or hurt or what stuff is, is yeah. happening. So...
Okay, maybe let's do one more. Yeah. Oh, this is a long one. Okay. I hope they use correct grammar here. I have many non-believing friends who are watching Christians and tell me we are hypocrites and want to force our morality on them through political activism, lack of love toward women and children, LGBTQ community, guns and immigrants, and think Jesus is not the answer if this is Christian behavior and expectations. I hit a wall now and I don't know what to say to overcome their observations. Even if I talk about the real Jesus, they doubt his truth and power because his followers don't seem to walk the talk. Hey, kudos to that question. That's that. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you see a long one and you're like, am I going to be able to understand this as I read it? But that, that was done very well. So, so wow. Kudos. Thank you for that question. Yeah. And great, great insight. Uh, obviously. What's the answer, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, social media is a great tool, but uh, I think the enemy is using hmm. a lot of Christians with this tool. Um, I, I think we'd be amazed at what God is doing through all these different communities. Um, I, I want to say this, but I want to be careful how I say it. Uh, I don't think a lot of us have deep friendships with people in the LBGTQ+. And I just want to ask why. It's not our job to change them. It's our job to love them. Let's just love people and listen to their journey. Like, who do we think we are? So. The, the culture is making a statement and there's some mm. accurate insights. We have, as a church, botched. Mm. Right? I mean, like, yeah. Own we it, right? have not come forward with humility and yeah. kindness and love. We need to, can I say this? Repent. Repent of this. Think of a conversation maybe you've been in where you've been uncharitable. Did you repent of that conversation? Maybe you privately carry an attitude. You don't even tell people. Have you repented of that attitude? So I, I think that when I have friends that are angry with the church and looking at Jesus' followers, I say, I, I, I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. It, it's disappointing. And I want you to know something. As best as I can discern in reading the Bible, God is disappointed too. As best as I can tell, God is disappointed with the way our generally church culture is engaging with the culture. Hmm. And um, do we have time for a story? Yeah. Um, years ago, if you were at Fox Valley Church, uh, I invited a friend to come speak. And he works in Boys Town. And uh, mm. Kathy and I had a great privilege. We went down to Boys Town and we, we spent an evening just talking to all these people. And uh, that's another story that it was just amazing. But I asked uh, this friend to come speak at Fox Valley Church and uh, he brought some of his friends. Well, some of his friends were from Boys Town. And at the beginning of his, well, I hate when guys do this, but on Friday he sends me an email and says, Tom, there's a video I'd like to start my message with. Would you mind if we did it? 
And uh, I look at the video, and it's only about two minutes long, maybe a minute and a half. And my heart starts pounding out of my chest. And I'm like, who could I ask whether we should show this video? I think there was one person there, and they said, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> but I felt strongly led by God to do it. So we opened the message with the video. And I want to tell you what the video was. My friend was working in Boys Town, and there was a parade. And he took a video of the parade. And he's on the wrong side of the rope. You know what I'm saying? He's with his friends. Then the video shows a number of Christians calling these people, I'm not even going to use the names, it was terrible. In the name of Christ, they were using names, slurs, against men made in the image of God. So you got the setting, right? And then he starts walking towards the Christians and they're on the other side of the rope. And they got their bullhorns and they're saying all these things. And uh, the Christians said to him, you're going to hell. Well, how do you know you're going to hell, he said. He says, how do you know I'm going to hell? And he says, well, you're out there with them. I'm like, well, that's where Jesus would be. <laughs> and Here's what happened next. He started to pray. This is all on the video, and he prays, and the camera is on the men in the parade. And he says, Lord, forgive them. But he didn't pray for those men. The camera was there, but after a couple sentences, you realized he was praying for the Christians. Lord, forgive them. Then the camera switches <laughs> and he starts praying for the men in the parade. Hmm. It was so well done because it just showed and exposed the hearts of people. And I think where the church has gotten it wrong, hmm. it's not our job to judge, condemn, mock, or ridicule. Are you any better than them? than anyone else? I mean, who do we think we are? I mean, that, that, that's the epitome of pride and arrogance. So it's all part of this culture question. Whoever texts that in, thank you for that. We need to be the church. So after the video played, someone stood up in the church. It never happened to me before. And he started yelling. Could you imagine someone standing up right now and start yelling at me? Because of what I'm saying, like, you all would get nervous, right? I got nervous. And I, I went over to this man, and I said, let's go talk. And I get in the foyer, and uh, a man meets me back there. I'm like, who is this guy? I don't know him. He's a friend of Andrew's, this friend that I asked to come speak, who was living in Boys Town and, of course, was gay. And he goes, would you let me talk to him? And they spent the next hour talking. And that man showered love on a member of our body. Hmm. It was a beautiful expression. Yeah, we could give it up because this is a, the Spirit of God working.
Now, just let's be really clear. God has spoken clearly, and He has not stuttered about sex, about marriage, and about gender. Always, always know the truth. We don't need to, you know, fall down or collapse on truth. Mm, amen. But we don't need to beat everybody over the head. Let's just let the Spirit work, but let's do what God's asked us to do, is love people. But as a body, I want to challenge you. I want us to think deeply about the truths of Scripture. We've got to anchor our lives on truth, and then we need to live it. Why do the fornicators in a church and the adulterers of a church get to cry out about sin when they've got their own stuff going on, right? I mean, like, on and on it goes. Mm -hmm. We got to end. Y'all, I love y'all. This is a great conversation because what Jesus is asking us to do, right, is he wants us to develop friendships. He wants us to develop friendships. That's just loving people. Loving them wherever they are, whatever they're doing, caring for them, showing them. And then, as we talked about this week, right, is we, we just got to listen to their stories. Listen. Just listen. Don't comment. <laughs> just listen. Then next week, we'll pick it up because next week is a significant thing as Brad alerted us to father thank you for your people this morning thank you for the truth of your word thank you that you came with love and power and jesus he, he himself i think of the woman caught in adultery he, he didn't blast her he, he just he just made it clear where he stood that he stood with her he was accused of uh, being a drunkard he was accused of being a sinner he was accused of, of collapsing on all kinds of things but he's a God man. He never collapsed. He just persevered, pressed on, spoke truth, loved people well, and then showed the power. God, let us do the same. Let us follow in his steps and engage. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Have a great day. And remember, Jesus changes everything.